That's on. That's hot. Is that what they say? That's hot. That's live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the first ever Cool Story live show. We begin, of course, by acknowledging that we are on what always was and always will be Aboriginal land here in beautiful Sydney. That's Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded and there's been no treaty yet, which means this is not only the traditional, but also the rightful land of Aboriginal uh, Australians. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we were low-key shocked and thrilled that this actually sold out. Um, it, we have a big, big night planned. We've got Act 1, Intermission, Act 2. Before we dive in, we would like to give a very huge shout-out to our producer, Sam Devonport, who I believe is on the balcony up the back. Can we get a huge round of applause for Sam? Giggly Sam. He's Giggling. one of about four men here, so I reckon you can find him if yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we have noticed the influx of DMs since we shifted recording studios so that Sam was in the studio with us, and that is his, um, you know, husky tone you can hear laughing at, mostly Bridie. We actually work hard. Well, I'm sure Bree does as well. I definitely do. I work sometimes to make him laugh because he's trying to hold it back a lot of the time and I can see him out of the corner of my arm like I'm going to make him crack. <laughs> no, my favourite is sometimes I say things and I hear him go, mm. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's right. for you. Yeah. You get the deep thinking, mm, good point. I get that. I can't believe she said that. <laughs> he makes us the socials clips. And he puts them in categories that say, what is it, funny and profound. And then <laughs> we realised after like eight weeks of recording that all the funny ones were Bridie <laughs> and all the profound All the profound ones were Bree. <laughs> anyway, Bridie, what do we have in Act 1 tonight? In Act 1 tonight, Bree, so you, another thing you might hear on the podcast is that Bree always like tops the episode and it's because I'm really bad at anything scripted or being told that I have to do anything. We're up in the green room and Bree's like, okay, I'll intro it and if you can just sign and do this, this. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. And I was like, in my head is like the Homer Simpson monkey. <laughs> so I came down and wrote it down. <laughs> so in the first half, we're going to be doing best books of the year, which I'm sure that everyone will love to hear. We've got a little surprise for each other. So we'll be unwrapping presents. And we're going to be doing our predictions for 2024 as well as our resolutions. That's mm. act one. <laughs> and that's all recorded. That's recorded. And then we're doing intermission and we are not recording. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are going to hear all the things, some of the things – I. And I'm sure you're going to be shocked that I can even answer this question or have any of these things uh, that we want to say on the podcast but never can. <laughs> things that we would love to say but we don't want it like on the record for anyone to look up when they can. But we trust you guys. Yeah, if so any you're of going you to tweet, hear it, we will find you and we will come for you. Yeah. And you are banned for life. <laughs> uh, we'll be doing audience quiz, which I promise is going to be super fun. And we have – look, can you guys see – us surrounded by books up here. These are all prizes and you can't even see the best prizes. So we have special prizes for the quiz and we also, all of these books are for audience questions. So at the bar, there is a vase which you guys have not noticed or if you've noticed it, you've ignored it. <laughs> it's got a big sign in it and it says questions. And a sign in front of it that says, write your questions for Brie and Bridie here. And you can definitely shout out, like we will ask, does anyone want to shout out? But we also find that people can ask their truest questions when it's anonymous and written down. So you put them in the vase, we'll be answering whatever you want to ask us. Nothing is off limits. Because that's the second half of the show when the show is not being recorded. So yes. we can actually answer your questions. And we will like ask you to shout out as well. But also if we choose your questions and if we think they're great, you are going to get a prize. And you can may well, maybe the front row can see what some of these books are. But they're, trust me, they're amazing. So... That's the show. That's all the housekeeping is. And did I do well, Brie? Yes. Gold star, Brady. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, you are thrilled to be here, I think. Oh, my God. I am so thrilled to be here. 
anywhere but home. I don't think any parent can relate to me. My, yeah, I heard it. End of the year, it is so hot, it's the end of the year. My oldest child has just finished his first year of school. My kids are feral. <laughs> and they are so feral that last night they like fully ganged up on me and almost caused a major incident that made me lose my mind. My, they wouldn't eat dinner, which always happens. And, you, and I'm not usually a like, you know, choose your dinner kid, but I had pasta on the counter and my three and a half year old Cormac said, I want some pasta. I said, fine, here, you can have it. He goes, I want it warmed up. I said, fine. Put it in the microwave for a minute and then went to, I think like put my pajamas on or something. Came back and he'd pulled a chair to the mi microwave and set it for 32 minutes. <laughs> And I could hear the beeping, so I came back really quickly. And then, of course, I had a go at him. Nowhere near as scary as what I would have got from my parents when I was a kid. But pretty scary. And I was like, you can't do that. You know, I do that so bad. Get off that chair, blah, blah, blah. And then he just fought back. He's not scared of me at all. Uh, screamed at me, I'm not going to eat my dinner then. I said, I don't care if you eat. I really don't. You're not going to starve. Like, As if you wouldn't call that bluff. Yeah, well, I did. I said, I don't care. Like, I don't care if you eat or not. You're not going to starve, but you can't touch the microwave. He's wailing, wailing. I go back to my room and I was like, I'm going to lie down and read. Famously, how I get all my reading done. <laughs> and then I heard him wailing and I heard Hamish come out of the bathroom and say, what's wrong? And Cormac be like, essentially, mom's such a bitch. <laughs> He didn't say it in those words, but it was his vibe. And he said, what's wrong? What do you want? And then I kind of tuned out and got really into my book. <laughs> they go quiet. Stupidly, I don't stand up. I read my book, I don't know, a whole chapter or something. And then I hear the beeping of a microwave and I was like, I turned that off. Came out and I have never seen pasta like it. It was like coat. It was about to catch on fire. There were like embers glowing. It was all melted together. It was black. And Hamish had come out and to soothe Cormac had put on the microwave for I don't know how long. And then they just forgot about it because it was so long and left. Anyway, that's why I'm so happy to be here tonight. Anywhere but home. Also, I've got a present for Brie. Oh, what, you mean like a different present apart from yes, the, a great... which you famously love. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> knew that tonight that you were going to come to Chic. <laughs> so it's, it's almost a present to me. <laughs> Babe, you need to be more festive oh, okay. and put this on. Okay. Do you have one or is it just me looking like a fucking idiot? I got one, but it was much more chic. But my, <laughs> hair, but my hair's too big from the humidity, so I can't fit it on. <laughs> but please, can you wear it? All right. Yes. Just for you. Great. Thank you. We're good for each other. Yeah, we are. Uh, now, <laughs> you look so cute. Please take lots of photos of her at this. She looks so cute. And she would never willingly wear it. I just This just, like, triggered a memory for me on the weekend. We were at um, Bondi Junction, which... Gives me the creeps any in like in a normal time and I always get lost. I've lived here so many years now and I always get lost in the Bondi Junction shopping center. Anyway, we were trying to find Betty's Burgers and came across instead, not sexy elves, but a like quartet of sexy reindeer. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck? Surely like sexy sexy version of small slash young people indentured servitude is weird enough. Like we're now going like sexy bestiality. I just don't understand of why. Of course you think of elves as indentured servitude. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking cute, Brie. <laughs> Unless they're sexy. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, we need, did you set the timer I up? did, yeah. I got, I said it five I minutes late. As, okay, well, you can, can I see, right? it, see it as well? Okay, so I can see, but it's five minutes late. Just so okay. I started. We're, all, yeah. we're, so, yeah. we're already all over the place. It's fine. This is none of yeah. the <laughs> Best books of the year? Best books of the year. Okay, 
Do you want, I'll go first. You go first. Okay, so we picked three each. These are our favorite books. We're going to smash through them. Um, I sort of forgot until I was compiling my diaries for the year that I went to Antarctica for a month in February. And then I was looking at my bookshelf and I remember that I read this incredible book called Madhouse at the End of the Earth by Julian Sancton. Everyone's like, wow, way to bring the mood down, Brie. Just talking about this fucking obscure I forgot ship. I went to Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Have you ever heard a more child-free phrase, Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I got. I forgot I got to be alone. <laughs> so there's a lot of. Li- I'm just going to breeze on through this. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of literature about the explorers in Antarctica and the gripe I have with it is that it's from this kind of like quote-unquote golden age of gentlemen explorers who were in fact typically landed gentry who because of their own um, prideful blindness got a lot of people killed and it made me really, really mad um, to just see the way these kind of glorious stories about these kind of Arctic, um, sorry, Antarctic polar pioneers would be revered. Um, and the biggest example um, is Scott from England, who is, I think, should be famous for being a fucking idiot. They refuse, because they were gentlemen, and at this time, um, it was kind of embarrassing and not very gentlemanly to know how to ski. And so they got these, like, um, electric powered skis built so that they could make it from where like the furthest a ship can go into the ice and try and make their way to the south pole and they got these electric motored motored skis sorry motored sort of schema bills built um and then were like trying to learn how to use them with this world famous ski instructor tried to learn how to ski for approximately two days and found it like too hard and not a gentlemanly sport so gave it up one of their motored ski units broke down and so their world famous ski instructor just strapped it to his back and skied to a nearby village to get it repaired for them like just this idiocy and then he goes out onto the ice and like everyone around him and him dies anyway i've digressed i can't believe this is the first book that she brought (laughs) but i no, i do love the sounds of it but i do relate to giving up after two days all right um this book isn't even about that Sorry, um, this book, <laughs> there's a lot. This book is about a Belgian um, rich man who just like did the same, same thing where he tried to get to the South Pole first. He was a um, rich boy who had a lot to prove. Daddy doesn't love me. Took a bunch of blokes out on a ship. They agreed to go over winter there once and he deliberately steered the ship into the ice so that they would get stuck in the ice over the winter. And everyone's like, what a hero because he really tried to make it. And then all of these people died. And this was the first book I read that actually like acknowledged how fucked a lot of those men were and how intrinsically connected it was to sort of colonization and this like era of um, empire and men and nations trying to like make it to a pole first, like this fucking big dicks on the table contest. And all of these people died. Yeah, so. It sounds so fascinating, but so hectic. Is there any way, is there any way that I could be for the boys in this (laughs) (laughs) No. It actually does sound so interesting. Is it non-fiction? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if it was a novelised take 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 of... Fair question. No, it's non-fiction. You're not meant to treat my questions as stupid. (laughs) Okay, what's one of your top three of the year? My top three aren't necessarily exactly my top three of the year because I tried to pick books I hadn't spoken about on the podcast. Yeah, same, yeah, yeah. And because we started halfway through the year, it, like I could go back and... I failed, I've just realised. No, continue. no, no, that's fine because I think I might have talked about this previously but the other, I just tried because I don't want you guys to be hearing the same thing over and over again. But uh, The Light Years by Elizabeth Jane Howard, which you've definitely heard me talk about but I'm not sure if it was on the podcast was such an extraordinary, extraordinary novel. It is the first in a series of five. You could just read The Light Years standalone though and if you love it, keep going. And it is about a family in the midst of a global crisis. World War I starting in the background. No text, no emails. <laughs> but... In I feel co- like Bridie's reading habits could be, at this point in time, fed into chat GPT. Like, there's such a promptable 
Like and remember at the here. beginning you were like, your reading habits are so broad and you're always talking about books I've never heard of. I'm like, babe, I'm just talking about different books about families in the midst of like set against domestic life against a global crisis. With no smartphones. But it's truly extraordinary book. Like the way she paints this family, it's brothers, cousins and parents. So she basically paints three generation, generations of a family. If you go all five books, you watch them all age which is amazing everyone is such an individual like the interior life of each is incredible incredibly drawn incredible to witness also all the little details about what people were wearing at the time what they were eating how the house was decorated like it is you are so there this whole world is created that you're in it's so absorbing then big books like they look intimidating like 600 pages each and I know I am a fast reader, but I would read these dead set in like four days. And I think even average reader would get through them in so quickly because you just want to stay up reading. It's like being a teenager again. Like you can't go to bed because you need to know what these people are doing. I jokingly would refer to them as my friends, the Cazalots, because I read all five books. I was reading just these series for about two months and I'd be like, my friends, the Cazalots are up to this. And my friends, the Cazalots have been. The themes are amazing, like seeing – um the affairs they have and the way that sex is betrayed and divorce and things that maybe you don't. And also the terror, the looming terror of World War II. Sorry, it wasn't World War I, it was World War II. And how it may, like, you know this from studying history, but it's books like this that really drive it home. How much everyone knew that war was coming and how they were all just sitting around waiting for it. And it's almost better when the war is on for them rather than sitting around for the two years before, wait, is there going to be a war? Is there going to be war? Are our sons, our brothers, you know, because I care about men. Are they going to go to war? <laughs> but beautifully drawn, published in the 90s, they should be as famous as like Jane Austen or the Midfords, I really think. And Elizabeth Jane Howard was married to... Martin Amos. No, she's oh. his stepdad. Oh, right. Martin Amos's dad. Kingsley who won the booker while she was with him for a book about – and I'm sure it's a great book. It's actually genuinely on my bedside table to read. But it's a book about, like, cranky old men being friends. Elizabeth Jane Howard should have won the freaking booker. Like, it, these, this is an incredible feat. And so – So, nah, the boys? Yeah, nah, the boys in this. <laughs> <laughs> and while she was, like, looking after Martin and his siblings and, like – and to Kingsley, she was essentially a maid. Like, she was her own intellectual force – with her own friends and her own creative life, but she still did all the cooking, all the social organising, or like organised the cleaning. Don't think she cleaned herself, but she organised it. And to think, yeah, you would find, I think you would find it really fascinating what she pulled off while she had all of this. And then for Kingsley and Martin, and Martin credits her with his love of literature and becoming a writer, not his dad. In his memoir, he credits her with it. Anyway... She's amazing. This book, this book was incredible. And it's one of those books you want to lose yourself in a book, you want to go to another world. Did like, you feel that thing it. you do when you um, finish reading and then you have like a big gap inside and you're like a little bit panicked and sad about – And you don't like, want to pick up something else. Yeah. Yes. Like I didn't – And like usually I finish on one book and pick up the next. Yeah. And usually I go fiction, non-fiction, fiction, non-fiction because of vaguely that feeling. Mm. But finishing The Light Years, I just – couldn't like you just sit with it for so long and i still think about them those characters which is actually pretty rare for me as well okay we said we would speed through this we need to try yeah, we are not speeding yeah. sorry um, no, we're going okay we're going okay yeah this we're is going. us every podcast record as well like <laughs> sam can't edit us but that was my fa- that, yeah. that was my favorite book i swear i won't prattle on with the next ones so. um i have spoken about this on the show so i'm not going to like rehash it too much but how to think like a woman terrible title for a phenomenal book i still I stand by Reagan Penaluna. I spoke about this book on the show when I had recently finished reading it and was kind of like just almost flustered by how much it had affected me. And then today when I was like really refining my choices, I thought, no, I still think about this book, whatever it is, like almost six months later. It just did. Did you think like a woman? <laughs> See, I just don't even know what that means. I don't like it. Anyway. It is a bad title. Yeah, anyway. Great cover. Great cover. Though. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, there was just so much where it just – hit home in such beautiful, concise, clear language, the irony of the whole discipline of philosophy. And I find a lot of this analogous to the legal industry where ostensibly it's all of these people getting together and talking about being able to think clearly. And then through the actual 
like content that they create and disseminate betraying how incredibly blinded they are by their own misogyny. And so it just like undermines an entire fucking field, undermines an entire industry. And the way she just skewers that, it's like what I was trying to do with Who Gets To Be Smart and it was just like perfectly done here. Um, and it gave me the seed for like, so I already know the um, book that I'll be writing next after the work, it's the Antarctica book, but this has given me the seed for the one after. I now feel completely sure. Her mind is incredible, which I'm sure that many of us pick up on the podcast. But for not when her, before she'd finished, I think the work she was telling me about the plot of her next book, crazy work ethic. You way. have to though, Do otherwise you? you go. Yeah, well, the best. <laughs> <laughs> the best writing advice ever given to me was by Chris Neen, who's a dear friend of mine and an author in Brisbane and they said the best way to sort of armor yourself against reviews and against the kind of hype machine that is not your job that you have nothing to do with is to just already be knowing what you're working on next and to trust the work the work oh. out April 2024 <laughs> What about you little shithead? Why don't you put this on? Because it doesn't fit my serious? head. Yes. It's adjustable. Your hat is bridey head phobic. <laughs> well, it's bridey hair phobic. Yes. Yeah, see? Okay. And I, I can't wear it. See? I'll wear it for you, but I can't wear a lot of hats because I've got okay. a big head, but on top of my big head, huge hair. So, I was just yes, saying. it's a curse, everyone. <laughs> I'll wear it for you though right no, no, now. No. But yeah, I put it on and I turned – because I got it at work and I was so excited. And I did post a photo in it but I turned to my deputy who's so honest and she's my friend as well. And I said, how does, how does this hat look on me? And she's like, mm, is, it, is it a bit small? Do you want to loosen it? I was like, it's at the loosest setting. <laughs> I also get it from my kids where I'll be like, put on a hat. And they're like, you're not wearing a hat. <laughs> Like, because I can't. I'm oppressed. <laughs> anyway, I'll put it on for you now. Um, so what's your your second book? Did you read Cold Enough for Snow by Jessica Ow? No, I didn't. Do you know how to say it, Jessica? We're going to have a first pronunciation correction of the night. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, I think it's Jessica Ow. It is a beautiful book. It's very short. I think it's about 150 pages. Uh, came out last year and it's won some surprising prizes. It's like, won all the like it's the, won yeah. all the prizes yeah. and it's such a slim book and it's all it's about is a grown woman in her thirties going to Japan with her mother for a holiday and there's no real conflict like nothing big happens and it is just like the most beautifully calm, quiet, soothing book with just incredibly observed all the little date details just make you feel uh so cozy but they're so sharp at the same time and this relationship between mum and daughter is really beautiful and obviously full of genuine affection but there's also just things they can't say to each other and that's a really hard thing to pull off in um a book and well to pull off in writing or to pull off in a movie you know the, that gap between what you want to say to someone and then you can't say it and and there's no big misunderstanding, but it's just this daughter and mum wanting to be close to each other. They are being close to each other, slight gap. And then all these like beautifully drawn details of a trip to Japan. So, and I just loved it. And when I first read it, I thought, oh, it's a bit too quiet for me. Where are the cousins screaming at each other? <laughs> and it's really stayed. I read it in February. Only or January. two family members. Only two Insufficient. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm like, I need minimum seven in my books. But it really stayed with me. And the feeling of reading it really stayed with me. Like it was just such a calm, beautiful book that you can see the work. Like you actually can't see the work that's put into it, but you can feel at the end of it, you're like, that would have been really hard to pull off. So that's my second one. My third, I think, is probably my favourite book of the year, Full Stop. Uh, and it's Stoneyard Devotional by Charlotte Wood. I think it's a feat. I think it should win lots of things. If I was the judge of everything in the world, this would win everything. Aren't um, you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I've been thinking about like what makes a good book and what makes a good fiction, like a fiction book, a novel in particular. 
And something I've started to think about is when you see a single title that a lot of different people get a lot of different things from. And I think that's what's happened with Stoneyard Devotional. Because one friend I was talking to said that the thing like that really stood out to them was how it made them completely rethink some of their school and like even just university and younger years interactions with like um, kind of bullying and, and reflecting back on the kind of sort of class or gender or whatever dynamic distinctions that you don't realize necessarily when you're a young person and how sometimes in groups people will just like bully the weak link whereas I've heard and read from other people who see it as a profound meditation on grief and then like disconnection from the world whereas those neither of those things are what I got from it but when I heard those people talking about what they got from it I could think of the exact passages they were referring to and I've come to think of like a really really a sign of a really really good novel is that it's almost like a bit of a chimera do you know what I mean like it just moves and changes I don't know what chimera means okay it's like a a shape-shifting thing and you and I can look at the same item like the same phenomenon thing novel and it we're looking at the same thing but we have seen it from different angles and we get something really different from it but then when we discuss it we see what each other can see in it wow what a feat that is so impressive that's like on have you read on beauty by Zadie Smith no, I haven't. It is a great book. I think you would love it. Uh, that is the other book I can think of where I talk. So when I read that book, it's a lot about I feel she just perfectly captures sibling relationships. I'm only interested in one thing. But what I got out of it, out of it was how you relate to each other as siblings and how you can have the same upbringing and then turn out completely different people. And then when you talk to other people, they had – like, you know, it really struck them how it properly articulated their experience of class at times and um, certain aspects of England English life, which I obviously wouldn't relate to. And I feel like that book is similar. And what an impressive feat to pull off. Like, that is so difficult. Also, the shit that woman can do in a small number of words, goddamn. Like, the first time I've ever felt like I had a page turner that didn't wasn't, like, plot-driven. Just extraordinary. So I've got it on my desk at work because you recommended it to me, but now it's rocketing to the top of my Christmas pile because you didn't go into that when you were talking to me about it, that it was like different to different Mm. people. Well, I've learned that since, which is why I was like thinking about which books I would talk about today and why it was that one. Okay, your third. Send Nudes by Saba Sams, which is a book with a great title. Um, It's a book of short stories. And I don't usually read short stories. Yeah, I'm not, I, it's not usually my vibe at all. She's phenomenal and annoyingly she's in her late 20s and even more annoyingly she's a mum and she had the time and <laughs> intellect and space to pull off this book. Like it is – I think that in particular uh, women in their 20s and 30s would love it but I think that anyone would love it. It's just a series of short stories with just little snapshots of life that are so vivid, very funny at times as well, but that's not the, – the point of the book is not to be comedic. It's just that she – I think that she's a person who finds life naturally funny and she's also a great observer of people. Were and you the I one just sped s- through it. Sorry, were you the one telling me this where it's like sometimes you can read a book by an author and you know that they're not trying to make a comedic book but that they are a funny human being and they can't help but make – Yes, that's what I said about Inanna by Emily H. Wilson, which was the me discovering historical fiction is great. I almost put that as my – I think that book is genuinely one of my top three, but I didn't want to repeat myself so soon after I'd already told everyone about it. But she was a woman where I was saying like this book is – she can't help – she is not in this book. And it's her debut novel and that is a huge feat in itself. But I said this woman can't help but be funny because she is such a naturally funny woman. So it's not the point of it or like she's not looking for a laugh. Just That's just the way she is. Saba Sams, I don't know her, don't, don't really know anything about her except that she's written this phenomenal book and probably hasn't gotten that. She won an award in England or maybe more than one but it's a book of short stories so they never go off that much and short this book is hard. definitely worth it and also great for summer. Mm. And, I, and I think there's physical copies in bookshops in Australia but it's available as e-book as well. Okay, presence time. Can't believe I'm the one saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants I to had, go first? I'm sorry, but like of all of the juicy things I've ever said on the show, that's the one I got the most text messages about. 
Oh my god, me too. <laughs> what? Even from your friends. <laughs> Not going to name them, but even your friends were messaging me being like, I agree with you. Free's a freak about presents. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a mean way, but you know what I mean? Like people were like, I can't believe she doesn't love presents. <laughs> okay, let's face. not, yeah, let's not re... re You're not going to yeah. love my present, I can already tell. Actually, I'm going to have two dud presents. <laughs> I, this hat is, look at how high it is on my head. I need to take it off. It's slipping off my That's head. That's fine. So we gave each other the challenge of picking a book that we would gift each other for our summer reading, uh, which, and our... Oh, you did. I told you, I bought a more sheet, but I'll put them on for you because you can't be all alone. Yeah, I bought more you. sheet ones. You look so cute in your stuff. For people listening at home, Bridie's now wearing holographic silver reindeer antlers with little white fluffy ears. Beautiful. And Bree's wearing Christmas trees. Very bright green, very gold, very bright red. Great. Chic. Chic as fuck. Thanks, Brady. Um, so we gave each other the challenge of buying a book for each other for Christmas that we didn't think the, uh, the other that one. That we didn't think. That we knew <laughs> the other one would never pick yeah. up. And that we're going to get it as a gift and we have to read it. I bet you Bree's is going to be about how... Bad it is for women. <laughs> <laughs> I do sound like such a terrible feminist. You I promise. Are a I no, fem- I'm not. Like I truly believe in feminism. I just <laughs> love men <laughs> too much. They've blunted. They've blunted my. They've blunted your instrument. Uh, my dad's too good. My brother's too good. My husband's too good. Like it's. You they've, bl- they've blunted my like um, out here in the trenches. Yeah, I'm so. Oh wait, no, I'm unwrapping I'm yours. I'm not in the. That's my present, Brady. Okay, so who's yeah. wait? Well, you go first. Okay. You want to wrap yours? All right. Okay. Um, you run. Oh, okay. look how beautifully wrapped Breeze is. How did you pick this? I thought about um, one of the greatest writers that I love on one of the greatest topics that I love that you do not appreciate at all. And I'm going to make you appreciate. <laughs> There's Sam's laugh. Did everyone hear that? Sam, you are going to love this book, by the way. <laughs> I fucking hate this so You're going to love this. You're going to get me. You're going to get Sam. You're going to get a large part of Australia after you've read this book. I don't want to read On Worn by Gideon Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Sam briefly cut us off last week. We were trying to discuss the cricket. I let them go and, for 10 minutes. And Brie, and Brie jumped in and she said something and I said, that doesn't even make sense. And she said, I just want you to stop talking about the fucking cricket. <laughs> it, he is, Gideon is a brilliant writer and Shane Warne, phenomenal man. We will never see the likes of him again. You're going, it's not that long, babe. You can do it. You're going to appreciate Shane Warne and you're going to appreciate... Well, I think that you would appreciate Gideon anyway. He's I just saw writer. the word Shermanator. <laughs> what the f- The pampered party boy was not transformed into the swaggering big shot overnight. There were times in the following year it might have gone either way. Life is hard for men. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Righty, this is the recorded part of the show. <laughs> You okay. will love that book. Gideon All is right. a phenomenal writer. Yeah, great. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to read it. Yeah, uh, obviously. You got me a, a book that is like double the size yeah, of what well, I Yeah, well, buckle up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, when I was choosing a book for Bridie, I was like, it's got to be real fucking nerdy fantasy. Real freaky shit. Magic shit. Bridie, get oh, ready. No. <laughs> You're going to make me read about things that don't exist. (laughs) (sighs) But it's actually good. Babel by RF. Is this a book for 14-year-olds? No. (laughs) No. You've given me fantasy. An act of translation is always an act of betrayal. Don't read the blurb. It doesn't – it's not as good. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Okay, so super duper fantasy, 
You have to stretch and expand your mind. It's set in an alternative history in 1828. History and fantasy. Stretching and expanding my mind. (laughs) So think about like Oxford University. Okay, I can um, vibe. I can vibe. So it's all about the act of translation and like language. And you know when you translate something from one language to another language that... I can't even speak English properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, here we go. Here we go. So when you translate something, something is, um, to use a colloquial phrase, lost in translation, and there's like a kind of gap there. And that's where the magic happens. And there are these like magical silver bars, except it's also about how shit it is for women. <laughs> <laughs> because it's actually about empire and colonization. So... Boom. Those themes, I could, the last bit I can yeah. get on board with. Yeah. Um, it's pretty big, but it's um, – I just feel like you don't really – like this is widely acclaimed. It won a billion awards in its genre categories. I will read about your history and your fantasy <laughs> and language. <laughs> Okay, I'll get back to you. You'll hear about what... This is such a thick book. I would never have done this to you. Do you know how you thick the, the official Shane Warne biography is? Because I had that on my shelf as well. And I chose. But I feel like this, you just like, you just tried to hurt me. He's an amazing writer and an incredible man. F- Gideon is an amazing writer and Shane Warne was an incredible man. <laughs> You know who you are? Like, you are going to be my husband's favourite fucking person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. We'll talk. We're going to be Sam Devonport's favourite person. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, once I read it, maybe I'll be Sam Devonport's favourite person. Okay. We Thank have- you. No, I appreciate this. You know I like reading broadly. Oh, I can't even fake it. <laughs> I can't even fake it. Whatever. I'll read the fucking book. Thanks yeah. for the homework. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Okay, we have like 10 minutes to smash through our predictions and resolutions. I think we should go like uh, bam, 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 like th- like a 3-3 three, three or something. Do you know what I mean? I don't even have oh. three. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Cool. Okay. Well, I can I can carry this segment. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'll, I'll fill five minutes. Oh, well, yeah. Do you want me to tell you about my childhood? Like, uh, No, but I – yeah, do you want me to just go through my predictions Seven. for 2024? Um, no, okay. I'll go – I'll do some first and then you and then I'll finish. I'll make mine quick, but mine are small. Maybe yours are profound in a change. No, you think I'm going to be profound? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bree, literally the um, only person in the world who bosses me around and I love and it. your midwife bossed you around. My midwife bossed me around, yes, and that was it. I get. I boss everyone else around in my yep. life except for you. Okay. Um. So predictions for 2024. Contro, and by extension, Cosmopolitans. Um, ah, yes. that's on my friends list as yes. well. Yes, because A. Aubrey Plaza, who's just really cool, made that ad for Cosmopolitan. Well, for Contro making Cosmopolitans, and then your mate Ali said that salt rimmed Cosmopolitans. Yes. Would be, yes. And, and do you I know which like, other oh, friend of mine oh. loves Cosmopolitans? Who? Taylor Swift. Uh. (laughs) Great, moving on. Um, So um, this is maybe a little bit boring, but like this is the second year in a row that – so these are my genuine predictions for 2024. This is the second year in a row that retail spending is down and travel spending is up. I just think that like still people have not fully recovered from like this COVID thing and they want to go and do things and they want to be seen to be doing things rather than purchasing things. Experiences over consumerism. Bingo. Like me going to see Taylor Swift. (laughs) Great. Um, (laughs) Okay. Your turn. Um, Swifty fatigue. Oh my god, I had a quest I had two questions for you about what your predictions for next year would be. And one of them is what the fuck is gonna happen with Taylor Swift? Yeah, great you question. Great question. question. Great question. I will never personally fatigue. <laughs> As I can tell most of the Swifties in this room won't personally fatigue. But don't you have that feeling that something is coming for her? Like she's reached that point of overexposure. And it happens in the cycle of almost every woman. Yes, every female celebrity. 
Oh my god, I fully sound like I'm sexist on this podcast. <laughs> I'm really not. My brother rolls his eyes at me all the time. <laughs> um, some of your best friends are women. Some of my best friends are women. <laughs> Actually, I think the other thing that has made me a useless feminist is that I have had a female boss for 10 years now. And I think that that really insulates me against a lot of stuff too. Anyway, moving on. I do think Swifty fatigue is coming. I don't know in what form. Um, you know, that backlash comes uh, for a lot of women, not just female pop stars, but Anne Hathaway is like the best example. Jennifer Lawrence, they're... Great examples of very beloved people who suddenly become so annoying. How will the fatigue play out? I don't know if it will play out in like the re-record of Debut not performing that well on the charts or you seeing a softening in the hysteria for her. Or does everyone know that she's doing a feature film? What? Yes. What she, movie? Um, I don't know if she's written it, but she I don't oh. know if she's writing the movie. Um, I think that the Millennial Poet Laureate can write a movie. I don't think she can direct one. And she's directing the movie. She obviously wants these gongs. Like she's trying to go next level. You and her would have a lot in common. With the work ethic and the strategy and the... And the literal birthday. The literal birthday. Yeah. Um, except you're younger than her. Anyway, the, the backlash is coming. Whether she becomes annoying or whether people try to cancel her or whether like her debut album re-record doesn't go that well or this movie that she's directing I think could be a flop because she directs a lot of her music videos and I think the videos she directs are so bad. <laughs> Did she direct Bejeweled? Because yes. that was so yes. bad. Yes, one of her worst ones. She also directed The Man, which is one of the worst music videos of all time. But did she direct Wildest Dreams? Because no. that was good. No. That was See? when she was still working with directors. She doesn't know her limits sometimes. Anyway, mm. still love her. Still a genius. Still the poet laureate of a generation. But it is one of my big predictions. Like she's so high at the moment. And I think she's aware of it as well. Like she's so high at the moment. There's almost also, only one way to go. like the number of people who've been time person of the year who then just fucking tank. Like they've really set themselves a record yeah. for that. And so anyway, that's one of my predictions. My other mm. prediction, which I kind of stole, I had noticed this myself, but I hadn't properly articulated it. Something that we, that, and so this chick on Instagram called stupid bitch me. <laughs> And when me and my friends talk about it, we're like, stupid bitch said. And we sound so sexist. <laughs> but that is her name on Insta. Anyway, she does great ins and outs list. I'll post a link for her in the show notes and also on Insta if you want to follow her. She does ins and outs for 2024. Well, like they can't find at stupid bitch memes. <laughs> I really don't want our gorgeous, smart Mostly female listeners to type in stupid bitch on Instagram and see what comes up. She said character teeth. And I had been watching a lot of like, yeah, people are laughing. I have character teeth, so don't laugh too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been watching, uh, as we do, a lot of movies from the 90s and noughties this year and thinking how refreshing it was to see people with normal teeth. They weren't bad teeth, but they were just normal teeth. And now everyone has the same veneers. And for some of them, I think it actually looks bad. You'd be on me with this because it's like Botox or whatever that you're against, right? But, you know, it's really noticeable veneers. Like everyone's got the same teeth. It looks really weird. And I thought when I'd watched 90s and noughties films, how good these people look. And then stupid bitch on Instagram articulated it and said, like, non-perfect teeth are going to be back. That doesn't mean, obviously, terrible teeth. You're still going to get judged if you're poor and have bad teeth. No, it is a class thing. I'm only saying that because it's a class thing. Sorry. Orthodontics. I'm, I'm, class. I'm articulating yeah, myself usually. badly there, but you know what I mean. But Because um, it is a class thing, having bad teeth. But character teeth, not like perfect veneers, think, don't you reckon? Back in for 2024. Yep. Thank you. That relates That relates to one of mine, which very, very quickly is a pivot. I anticipate a pivot in the dialogue about Ozempic and related drugs. So I am a big fan of Brandon Taylor, the American author, and he had this Twitter thread recent. Did you see it? Love it. I love him. Yes. I almost picked um, 
The New Americans American. is one of my books yes, same, of the year. Yeah. Same. Um, so he had this thread that just articulated it better than I would. I'm not going to try and paraphrase it too much, but we're at the stage now where I, like his point was that this is just like the people judging anyone who uses Ozempic or, you know, that's just the sort of brand name for that whole category of weight loss um, and diabetes drugs. It's just the latest form of gatekeeping about thinness and fat shaming. And fat shaming. It was such – I had not yeah. seen an argument articulated so well. Yeah, yes. and I think that because we are now at the stage where we, are, where we are approaching being able to push through these sort of supply chain issues where there was a legitimate argument that people with diabetes who really needed this medication couldn't get it because of all the black market sales happening for people who purely wanted it for supposedly vanity-related weight loss. Like the – so I, I looked it up. The in This is in Europe. The – the company who make Ozempic, Novo Nordisk, are now the biggest company in Europe, full stop. The second biggest company is LVMH and number four is L'Oreal. So you have these like number two and number four biggest companies that make you feel shit about yourself, but it's okay because the number one biggest company will sell you the solution. And we now finally have the data starting to come through that if you do take Ozempic for like purely weight loss purposes it works for a lot of people not everyone but it will stop working as soon as you stop taking it so we are like i just think that like this the conversation about this whole category of drugs is going to really deepen and significantly change and ask bigger questions about big pharma and bigger questions about fat shaming and like weight loss gatekeeping in 2024 I think great call. I agree with yeah. that one. And so we are so running out of time as always. Oh, my God. Resolutions. So, quick. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not even going to do my – should we just do resolutions in the next – I don't have that great ones. What's okay. Yours? Well, so my last trend that I'm not going to explain uh, but I really wanted to tell everyone is in 2024 we are going to go back to being horny for age gaps. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not explaining it. Bree's disgusted right now. So what's your resolutions? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my desire to discuss this with you and prove you wrong is really going up against my desire to be a good girl and finish on time. <laughs> oh my God, um, there are two, two wolves There's inside. two wolves inside me. <laughs> Let's discuss it on a podcast, but yeah. I maintain age gap sexy, yes. We're going back to that 2024. <laughs> okay. A very specific and concrete resolution I have made is that I do not want to use my phone in like my bed or just even my bedroom anymore. And so I bought this like at big chunky plastic analog Sony Dreamweaver alarm clock and I'm going to put my phone charger by my desk in the other room and my bed will just be for sleeping and reading. And I actually, I'm like fully in the mode for this. I think it's going to be transformative. Yeah, when I both times I was on maternity leave, I charged my phone away from the bed, and it was really, really good. But when I'm in work mode, I'm, it just became harder for me. Mm. Uh, my resolution is inspired by you. Bree, You're gonna become a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like women. <laughs> this joke is going too far. Yeah, I know. So, I'm actually yeah. a really good feminist. <laughs> And very passionate one too. I because you said that like I had inspired you to have a sick one. Oh. It's true. You've had a net positive like yeah. Net positive. You, oh my god, the nerdiest language ever. You've had a net positive effect on me. Well, it's <laughs> true. It's like the biggest compliment a friend can give you. You have absolutely had a net positive effect on me, <laughs> um, as well. And we were friends before this, but the podcast has brought us so much closer. And when Bree said that. I realised, I was thinking to myself and I realised you've had an amazing impact on me that I've only been able to quantify at the end of the year when I'm reflecting and that is that I'm going to find in 2024 joy and pride and purpose in my work again. I really am. And Brie is actually so sensitive in the way that she talks to me about it but when I was going on my long service leave, I said something about she kind of kicked my ass a bit about the book and was like oh, about my second novel my yeah my second novel I've been working on 
and she kind of kicked my ass and she's like, you need to come back with words, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know, life is so busy with the kids. And she's so sympathetic and understanding. And she said, I don't, I obviously don't know how you can do that. And I understand it's really hard, but if you really want to do this. And then she just gave some advice about it and she was fucking right. And I smashed out 20,000 words on my long service leave and I loved it so much. And it reinvigorated me and I feel reinvigorated in podcasts and the book, but also just in my daily work, which is in news, to be like, no, Bridie, you've got to strive high, higher, think about what you want, think about what's going to make you feel good and, like, go for it. So that's my thing for – that's what you've done for me in such a positive way, in and a very sympathetic, like, not pushy, not um, tone-deaf way. You've been – you know, tone-deaf, like how some people can be like, just do it. It's like I've got two fucking kids and they're so annoying. <laughs> She's always been so realistic about that. But, yes, you really did. You kicked me to do it on long service leave. I've got such a lot there. I'm going to be doing it next week when I'm away for Christmas. And in 2024, I'm going to finish the second draft of this book. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get famous. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to have a sick one. and I'm going to have a sick one. Thank you, everyone, for who's listening at home. Um, RIP, you couldn't be here because we're having a sick one. Um, Bridie, what have we got? So we have half an hour break. I'm just going to remind you that um, after the break, we do not record. We don't record. You don't record either. Very serious. Um, And there's the jar on the bar where you will be purchasing your beverages and food if you want, where there you can write on a piece of paper your questions for us and we will be taking any and all questions. What else have we got after the break? We're going to be doing – and also with questions, we love them in the jar, but we will do a call out if anyone wants to raise their hand as well. We're going to be doing a very fun quiz. Everyone, absolutely every single person in this room is getting involved. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> you think you're not, but you are. <laughs> And we are also going to be talking about some of the things that we would always love to talk about on the show, but we don't want on record. And it's not like cancelable opinions, like I actually hate women. Oh, Uh, oh, well, Breeze is. But, you know, it's just like, it's just fun things that we always think our audience would appreciate. Our audience everywhere would appreciate, but things that could be taken in bad faith by someone who wanted to come for us or in my case if you're one it's gonna be on the podcast like if your family members listen to the podcast you don't want them to know about you (laughs) and yeah so we're gonna be winning books things you can't say on the show it's gonna be great it's gonna be off the record thank you so much half an hour see you back (laughs) 